Welcome to the inaugural Red Latam podcast from Red's Mexico team. My name is Xochitl Herrera, and I am the head of the Mexican news team. Today, we will discuss the repercussions of the U.S. and Canada's request for consultations over Mexico's energy policy under the USMCA. As you may know, on July 20, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office filed a formal complaint against Mexico's energy policy under President Andrés Manuel López Obrador, or AMLO. This policy has focused on empowering state-owned companies, Pemex and CFE, over the last four years, and the USTR requested dispute settlement consultations with Mexico over certain measures that undermine American companies and U.S.-produced energy. Canada filed a complaint shortly after, focused specifically on the energy sector. AMLO and his cabinet ministers have said that all the changes implemented since late 2018 are part of a strategy to better control energy prices and fix abuses in the sector brought on by the 2013 energy reform. The USTR wants to review four measures, the amendments to the electricity law in 2021, the denial and revocation of permits for U.S. energy companies, the resolution that granted CFE and Pemex advantages for the use of the natural gas transport network, and a resolution that granted Pemex a five-year extension to comply with the maximum sulfur content requirements under the country's diesel fuel standard. Canada's complaint is similar. AMLO denies his policies are in breach of the USMCA, and many observers wonder if he is willing to accept punitive tariffs or even leave the trade deal in order to maintain his position. Let's not forget that nearly 80% of Mexico's exports are sent to the U.S. To talk about the consultation process and the possible outcomes, we're pleased to welcome Aristeo Lopez, a legal consultant at D.C.-based law firm Clark Hill. Aristeo previously worked for over 20 years in the international arbitration at Mexico's economy ministry, where he was part of the team renegotiating the North American Free Trade Agreement, now USMCA, in 2018. Aristeo, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sochil. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here today with you. First, we want to understand the phases of this process that could lead to a decision against Mexico. And second, we want to know what the next steps are after that report, because the process doesn't end there. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. Uh, sure. The, well, the process, as you know, the, the U.S. and Canada requested consultations uh, with Mexico uh, on July 20, as you mentioned, and uh, the, the the process is, uh, is can be very complicated in terms of uh, the many stages that, that it has. But uh, in general speaking, what I would say is that parties have to meet uh, within 30 days, uh, which is basically next week, uh, to review and discuss uh, the, the 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 requests uh, made by the U.S. and Canada. If no. Uh, uh, solution is it can be found in this uh, as a result of these consultations uh, meetings uh, uh, the complaining or the consulting parties in this case the US and Canada can't uh, request establishment of a panel the panel will be uh, the, the the impartial body that will the this the review and and decide the the dispute uh, among the three uh, USMCA parties uh, Basically, in general terms, the, the panel will have like 180 days if anything, if everything goes according with the with with, with, the, with the terms of the, with the, the deadlines that the treaty uh, has. Uh, but there could be also some 
extension, but generally speaking, there would be like 180 days, more or less, uh, uh, plus three or 40 days to, to this, for the establishment of the panel. And that would take us more or less to May 2023 to get this final report from the panel. And we will learn by then uh, if, uh, uh, if the U.S. and Canada's uh, complaint were uh, correct or if Mexico uh, did not violate uh, the, the, the agreement. And we will find out there in, in, in May 2023. Uh, that's, generally speaking, how, how it will be, how, how long it will take the, the panel to, to decide this, uh, this dispute. Uh, but many things can happen in between. I mean, the parties can still or are still able to, to, to reach an amicable solution if, if they decide to do so. There is no uh, limitation to stop uh, uh, trying to, to reach a, a, a mutual uh, agree uh, solution to the, to the dispute. Okay. Now, where do the tariffs or where can the punitive tariffs come in? Uh, yes. Well, they, once we have, well, once the panel uh, issues its uh, final report, the parties have uh, 45 days to decide uh, how they're going to, how uh, the losing party in this case, if that's the case, Mexico, how Mexico will uh, uh, comply with the with the with the report in terms of uh, 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 putting the the measures in consistent in consistence with the uh, with the with the agreement, and and that discussion will take I mean could take forty five days at least uh, or, or whatever the parties agree, but uh, if they don't reach an agreement uh, at least within that period of time, uh, the U.S. and Canada will be uh, able to uh, suspend benefits uh, to Mexico. And that's when the, the most uh, sensitive uh, uh, aspect of the dispute uh, can be because, as you know, uh, the suspension of benefits will basically means that the U.S. and Canada will uh, impose some sanctions, trade sanctions to Mexico on the as many people, as many experts have expressed, and on, on, on products that are very sensitive and competitive uh, in Mexico, such as the agricultural, such as agricultural products that are uh, exported to the U.S., for example. Mm -hmm. And if these trade sanctions are applied, how long can they last? Well, there's no a time limit. Uh, as long as Mexico uh, keeps the, the measures that were uh, found uh, uh, inconsistent with agreement, uh, the U.S. and Canada will be allowed to keep these uh, these, uh, these, sa these trade sanctions, basically. Okay. So Good. it can take years. Years. Okay. Now, I'd like to talk about the implications this consultation and possible panel would have on the U.S. and Canadian companies that are affected by the measures that their countries are disputing. We want to understand how will this state versus state process benefit them? Well, yes, uh, that's a very good question. I mean, any trade disputes uh, among the states uh, obviously have an impact on, on companies and, and uh, small, mediums and big companies because they are all involved in trade. So. If there's a, a trade dispute among the parties, obviously there's going to be an impact uh, for the losing for the companies of the losing party who have will have to to uh, to to be subject to trade sanctions or the companies uh, that are uh, uh, from the uh, a complaining party that are going to be kind of a, a, a there there won't be benefited by by the sanctions, but they will be obviously. A, 
they they are aware that there there are some measures some that there are some sanctions uh, uh, on Mexico and that will put pressure on the government to uh, change the measures that were found to be inconsistent with the treaty and that will eventually benefit those companies in in, in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, if these companies find that they're not benefited, either because they just don't agree with the measures taken or because Mexico refuses to comply, can they file their own arbitration during the consultation or after? Well, yes, uh, I think you're, you're referring this point, on this point uh, uh, to the investment, uh, the investment investor state of the dispute settlement mechanism. Uh, we have to remember that that mechanism is only uh, available for investors that are, are, are attempting or have made investments in, in, in the other country. So uh, as long as those companies, um, in this case will be the U.S. and Canada uh, companies, have investments in Mexico, uh, have made investments in Mexico that have been affected by the Mexican measures, I mean, they will be allowed in, theory, in general terms to, 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 to activate this mechanism. Regardless of what the state-to-state dispute uh, mechanism is, uh, is, is, is taking, regardless of this mechanism, state-to-state mechanism uh, between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. In your opinion, what is the likeliest, likeliest scenario for this consultation? Oh, uh, I mean, I hope that the, the the three parties can come up with a solution to this dispute. I mean, they think I think it's not in, the, in it's, it's not beneficial for for Mexico or the U.S. and Canada to have this kind of uh, disputes among the, the parties, but uh, uh, it, it's, it's important they can reach an agreement uh, or a solution to this dispute. But however, just looking at how the Mexican government, particularly the president of Mexico, has been uh, handling this, this dispute, I see, unfortunately, I see no signs of a potential solution at the stage of consultations. Uh, he has been very, very clear that uh, uh, that he thinks that he's not uh, uh, he's uh, he, he that that he's not acting against uh, doing anything against the the, the agreement and the, the agreement uh, uh, is uh, is completely consistent with the measure he has been enacting or uh, ado- adopting, and, uh, and and he's been flagging this uh, this famous chapter eight of the USMCA that uh, you will know and we have. Uh, Seen how he have been describing, and uh, and and it seems that it is to be a very very strong position, uh, and and I don't think that it's uh, I don't see any flexibility on this part. So you consider that there would be a decision against Mexico, and that would leave Mexico with and the other parties, U.S. and Canada, with forty five days to reach an agreement on what the country can do to. Well, deactivate the complaint. Yeah, I mean, I think the panel will have to assess the legal uh, arguments uh, from the three parties, and eventually will have to decide whether Mexico is in breach of the USMCA or not. Uh, from the outset, I would say that uh, what I've seen about these these measures, uh, it is at least uh, uh, on its face, it's, it's arguably uh, discriminatory against uh, companies, private private companies. It's uh, clearly giving, uh, is favoring the Mexican government, is favoring the state-owned enterprises uh, over uh, private investments, and that's something that uh, that, that the panel uh, will have to, to to assess and decide eventually in a, in, a, in the final report. But I think there's a, that, that's the way I see this this dispute will will end. Up. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What kind of actions could Mexico commit to or could Mexico take to resolve this dispute? Well, I mean, in terms of what the U.S. and Canada are complaining about, uh, I think that the most of the measures set for the amendments to the to the electricity industry law, the rest of the measures uh, have been uh, are are having adopted or issued by the executive branch. So I think those be those will be very easily uh, uh, adjusted or 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 or, or revoke uh, if that's the case. Uh, you only it will be just a matter of uh, for the Mexican uh, government to decide to 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 revoke these these orders or, or measures. Uh, and perhaps the other one, the amendments to the electricity industry law. Uh, I mean, it will take a little bit more time because you will have to go to Congress and uh, and, and 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 modify those those uh, amendments, uh, and it will take some time. Uh, some time. Uh, but uh, I would say, I mean, overall, I think it will be, except for that law. I mean, it will be easy for the government of Mexico to to uh, to to resolve this dispute. Good. Now you mentioned Chapter Eight of the USMCA, AMLO and his team have said that none of his his administration's actions are contrary to Chapter 8, which says that each country reserves its sovereign right to reform its constitution and internal legislation on the matter. And there's also a section that the president says can be interpreted as hydrocarbons being the inalienable and irrevocable, irrevocable property of the state. What do you think is the correct interpretation of Chapter 8? And can Mexico use it to defend its position? Thank you. Uh, well, what do I think about Chapter Eight? I mean, I think Chapter Eight, Chapter Eight says nothing other. I mean, it, it is only basically confirming what the Constitution, Mexican Constitution, says. I mean, it's not saying anything, anything more or less. Uh, and, and that's it's okay because actually, as uh, as a negotiator, uh, when I was a negotiator during the USMCA uh, uh, talks. Uh, uh, we always have this uh, objective of, uh, of of not going beyond our legal framework in Mexico. We always have to bear in mind that Mexican constitutions limitations uh, have to be respected, and we negotiated under that assumption uh, throughout the the process uh, with the U.S. and Canada. So, in my view, the, the chapter eight is 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 obvious is, is stating the obvious uh, what we had in mind our objective as negotiators. So. Uh, the 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 first impression that I have is I, I think that the Mexic- the president of Mexico is using this as a more as a political uh, 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 statement rather than a legal argument, uh, and that's why I think this is not going to be something or should not be something that that uh, that uh, 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 can be, that should be used as a, as a legal argument in dispute because it is it, it is. Uh, it, it, it says nothing more than that, that the obvious, uh, uh, and, and 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 even that. I mean, the 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 the, the ironic thing here is that uh, the president of Mexico is is, uh, is is the one that has been addressing uh, uh, the constitution uh, and 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 how sovereign we are, and so on and so forth. But the fact is that uh, that uh, the U.S. and Canada are not asking Mexico to go beyond its constitution. They are just saying you have to respect what the USMCA says. And the ironic thing is that the constitutional debate is not taking place between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, but between the, the executive branch in Mexico, the president of Mexico, and the judicial uh, power in Mexico, the, the federal judges. I mean, actually, right, we recently saw a, a decision by a federal judge 
the, uh, who found that the, the, the amendments to the electricity industry law is uh, inconstitutional, uh, uh, using some of the arguments that the Supreme Court just the judges uh, 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 they made during the debate in April this year. So it is a, a very political. Uh, uh, it's very politi- This this uh, this debate is more political than legal. I, I would say it's not relevant for purposes of the USMCA. Mm-hmm. Are there other USMCA chapters that are involved or included in the complaint that the US and Canada made? Yeah, well, uh, yes. I mean, the, the the provisions or the 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 the, inter, the obligation or commitments that uh, the the U.S. and Canada are complaining against, uh, well, mainly the U.S. Uh, uh, is the the national treatment uh, obligation in the investment chapter, uh, the national the national treatment obligation for trading goods. Uh, there are some provisions related to the state on enterprises uh, chapter, uh, and basically that's 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 the the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so regardless of what Chapter Eleven says, Mexico does have duties that it is not complying with, you know, in the trade deal. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's another good, in, good way to look at this is that the treaty, the USMCA, provides, uh, uh, of, I mean, contains obligations for the three countries, regardless of, of the sectors, uh, uh, of the specific sectors. Um, I'm talking on a very general, uh, from a very general perspective. I mean, the obligations are for across the industries, uh, unless you made an, uh, an exception in the treaty, right? So in terms of the energy sector, uh, the national treatment uh, uh, obligation uh, for investment purposes applies to every industry. It's not that it's, I mean, it, it is incorrect to say that the USMCA, uh, that Mexico excluded the energy sector from the USMCA because the other obligations, in general terms of the national treatment obligation, applies to all industries. The thing is that uh, if you you have to make an, ex, an an express reservation or exclusion or exception to that obligation, and that and those exceptions were clearly linked to another treaty uh, that is the CPTPP uh, and, and, and that kind of a bridge provision can be found in Article 32.11. And those are the exceptions that Mexico made with respect the energy sector. Other than those exceptions, the energy sector, sector for purposes of investment, um, for instance, is, 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 is covered by the USMCA. So that this is a, a, an important point that I think uh, it's worth mentioning because the discussion that Mexico excluded the energy sector from the treaty, that's not how it works. No, it definitely is not how it works. And we'll just have to see how it plays out. Hopefully, as you said, um, there will be a solution and Mexico, the U.S. and Canada will remain <laughs> without without sanctions and without you know, in the treaty. So thank you very much. Thank you, Aristeo. Thank you to our listeners for joining Red Latam, the first podcast, and have a great week.